Welcome to this week's Energy Show. And this week, we're talking about energy jobs, not just solar jobs, all types of energy jobs in the U.S. economy. I was really happy to see the U.S. Department of Energy just publish their 2017 Energy and Employment Report. And this is a great report. I've been watching solar jobs reports over the past 10 years. Most of these reports were done by the solar industry. But now that solar jobs are such a big part of the energy jobs pie, you know, it's really, they're, they're very, very significant on these national scale jobs. And I just hope that the DOE continues to publish these reports over the next four years under the Trump administration. Well, because I hear about the DOE holding back on some information about technologies that may address global warming is the same thing at EPA. I just hope that these reports continue. But as far as looking at this report, it just came out a couple weeks ago, and it's pretty amazing. They, They found that the largest jobs category in the U.S. energy industry is the oil and petroleum industry. These are these are jobs that are basically just extracting oil from the ground. 516,000 people in the U.S. work in these oil and petroleum industry extraction jobs. Now, solar is the second biggest category. 374,000 solar jobs are, are currently in place in the U.S. That's, that's incredible. The, the third category is natural gas, 362,000 natural gas industry jobs. So I was surprised because the last solar numbers I saw were in the range of 209,000. This is a couple of years ago. And clearly the, the solar industry has continued to grow really pretty much throughout the, the country. And there are big benefits to the U.S. as these jobs are increased. As the solar jobs are increased, we're generating clean energy. But heck, you know, we, we want to get people reemployed in, in, in any industry that's going to really help our economy. It's good. Now, the, the flip side of it is that 374,000 solar jobs, that's a big political risk as these jobs are threatened by some climate change deniers or, or by policies that aren't favorable to renewable energies or changing policies that are already in place. I mean, you take away the investment tax credit and <laughs> you're going to lose a lot of jobs really quickly. And by the same token, if we're not careful about how we handle the U.S. manufacturing and tariff situation, we may put policies in place that would increase the cost of, of solar rather than continue to decrease it. Now, looking at this 2017 U.S. Energy and Employment Report, it, it, it examined four energy sectors in the economy, electric power generation and fuels, transmission distribution and storage. So electric power generation, these are power plants, transmission distribution and storage. These are the wires that connect to to users, commercial, industrial, residential, energy efficiency. And the energy efficiency category really really is mostly to do with making um, energy star appliances and, and high efficiency items like that. And then motor vehicles and motor vehicles on the energy efficiency side. Now, The first two of these sectors, electric power generation and fuels and transmission distribution and storage, make up what we kind of consider the traditional energy sectors. Energy efficiency cuts across a range of occupations, especially construction and professional services, but includes manufacture as well. So when when we're talking about super insulating homes or or building really high efficiency heat pumps and things like that, that fits into the energy efficiency category. And motor vehicles is included because these products really play a critical role in our use of energy, and there's a lot of efforts in terms of electric vehicles and storage and things like that to make more efficient vehicles. Now, when the DOE created this report, they surveyed 30,000 businesses, and they looked at what the direct job categories were. These are people whose most of their work 
or in each of these categories. Did it include indirect jobs, you know, people working at a fast food restaurant down the street from a manufacturing plant, and they didn't include induced jobs, so th- those are, you know, other consulting things or whatever. So it's really people that are working directly in these categories. And and just kind of summarize and looking where the U.S. energy is used, 38.5% of the energy used in the U.S., goes through the electric power generating system. So it's electricity. 11.3% of the energy is used in residential and commercial buildings. 21.4% is used for industrial processes, manufacturing, things like that. 28% is for transportation. And so we're talking about vehicle fuels. And so when we kind of add up the electricity consumed by residential and commercial buildings, residential and commercial buildings were the end use consumers. When we look at look at heating and cooling costs and, and other fuels, they consume 398 40% of all the energy production in the U.S. is consumed in residential and commercial buildings. That's heating, lighting, air conditioning, every, you know, everything else. So looking at this report, dividing it, it was, I'm kind of going to look at it in two big sections, and this is the way they divided it up. They divided it up in terms of electric power generation. These are basically the fuels that are used to generate electric power, the, the sources of the electric power. And, and it gets a little weird when you talk about solar and wind and geothermal and, and hydro because there's no fuel there. And then the actual jobs that are in the extraction or the generation of the fuels themselves. So let's just kind of looking at some of these high-end categories. I mentioned solar. 373,000 people work in solar, and that's all on the electric power generation side. The, uh, the biggest category, as I mentioned before, was oil and petroleum extraction. And so there's 516,000 people working there. Of those 516,000 people, 503,000, half a million people are working in extracting oil and petroleum. And according to this DOE report, 13,000 people are working in the electric power generation industry using oil and petroleum. And and what's interesting is a lot of our power plants used to be powered by oil, heavy bunker oil. It's just really thick oil. It wasn't distilled very much. Now we've switched almost completely over to natural gas. Now, I mentioned the solar number. The next biggest category is natural gas, 362,000 people. And in that, 310,000 are involved in extracting natural gas. And 52,000 are working on the electric power generation side of natural gas. So that they're working in natural gas power plants. That's basically, you know, a way to look at it. Just looking at some of the other big categories, the next biggest category is coal. 74,000 people are working in the coal industry, extracting coal. And 86,000 people are working in the electric power industry at power plants that are fueled by coal. And then uh, let's see that that's uh, oh that's an interesting one. The next the next biggest category is bioenergy, and in bioenergy, one hundred and five thousand people are working in that total bioenergy field, making bioenergy fuels: corn ethanol, woody non woody biomass, biodiesel, woody biomass, other biofuels, and then twenty six thousand people are actually in the electric power generation side. That, that, that's kind of it. Oh, wind. Wind is the, the last category we'll look at, 102,000 people working in the wind industry. And they're all on the electric power generation side, obviously, because there's no fuel involved with wind, just like solar and geothermal. 
Nuclear, 86,000 people on nuclear fuels, but 68,000 people are working at power plants around the country at, at these nuclear power plants. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, that number is going down as, because nuclear is just turning out to be kind of too expensive. So it's, it's kind of pretty fascinating to see how this whole thing has kind of evolved. Now, now looking at electric power, the electric power generation industry as a whole, let's just kind of take a quick look at, at the breakdown of the job titles that people are working in. Like most energy industries, most of the employment in the electric power generation business is either on the installation or construction of these power plants. The plants are constructed, then they're done. And then afterwards, on the maintenance side. So there's probably, you know, all existing power plants, they're already built, no more construction. So we've got people maintaining those plants. But there's a lot of people that are involved on the installation side. The next section is production and manufacturing. So that's that's about seven. Let's see, 14%. There's a lot of people, obviously a lot of people on the administrative side. So 27% of the people are in maintenance and installations. 24% of the people are in administrative. 20% of the people are in management and professional positions. These are engineers or management. And then 13% on the sales side. It's kind of a smaller category. So it's it's looking at how solar is in that job breakdown is the thing that we're going to do next. Now, let's take a look at what happened in the solar sector. Over the past year, according to the DOA, solar sector saw growth rates of 25% in employment. And as far as the categories of jobs, it's similar to other electrical power generating industries, but even more concentrated on installation. It's all about installation. There's like the fuel is free and there's very, very little maintenance. I mean, on a residential side, there's effectively zero maintenance as long as it rains, your panels are going to stay pretty clean. So looking at the solar industry, as far as that job breakdown, 37% of the people are on the installation and construction side of these systems. And that's, you know, utility scale, building these big things or residential, you know, lots of uh, installers putting systems on rooftops. There's 26% involved in wholesale trade. This is kind of on the distribution side. This is, you know, Getting the solar panels here, distributing them, transporting the equipment, all, all it's all, the whole supply chain of solar. It's actually pretty big. Manufacturing in the U.S., 18.5%. Now, we're not making a lot of solar panels in the U.S. There's really only two companies that are doing that actively, but there's just a lot of manufacturing on the mounting systems and the electronics and the wire and things like that. It uses a lot of materials. And then the last category, 15% within professional services, you know, engineering, sales, marketing, things like that. Now, what I find interesting is when we kind of take a look at the breakdown by the type of installation, whether it's residential, commercial, or utility. Now, the majority of the U.S. photovoltaic generation capacity is utility scale. That's the most of it. And it's owned or operated by utilities. Many utilities build these plants and own it, or many utilities buy the electricity from these plants. And and the DOE pulled out an interesting statistic from 2015, $28 megawatt hours of electricity was generated by utilities last year compared to about 17 million megawatt hours generated on the residential side. Now, note, this is energy generated, not the capacity, not the gigawatts of solar that were installed, but this is actually, you know, the kilowatt hours that were generated and then consumed by everybody because you, know, you got to pretty much consume that electricity immediately. Now, I kind of, and these are all 2016 numbers, but what's interesting is there are more, even though there's more electricity generated on the utility side, 
over half of the nation's solar workers were spending the majority of their time doing residential solar projects. So looking at the breakdown, 55% of the workers are on the residential side, 25% on the commercial side, and only 21% on the utility scale side. But, but you kind of look at more energy was generated on the utility side. And so you say there's a little bit of an imbalance there because we're getting more electricity generated per megawatt hour on the utility side than on the residential side. Why? Because if you build a, a 50 megawatt plant in the desert somewhere, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than a five kilowatt you know, system that's a thousandth, one thousandth side on a home roof. So why is there that difference? Well, you just need more people doing little systems than big systems on a, on a per megawatt basis. But then I ran one more set of numbers, which completely explains why this is a good trend. So on one hand, you'd say, well, we want to put solar in where we're going to generate the energy the cheapest, right? So utility scale does it. But on the other hand, now here's, here's, the, here's the rub. I just multiplied those numbers out, 21 million megawatt hours on the utility side, I multiply that by the price that utilities pay for electricity when they get these solar plants. I just called it a nickel a kilowatt hour. So the utilities paid $1.4 billion for the energy that was generated on utility scale. Then I ran the numbers for the residential side. And let's say the average residential rate is 10 cents a kilowatt hour. Now, that, that's the average rate. And I know here in California, it's closer to 20 cents. You know, in, in states that are really doing a lot of solar, they do solar because electricity is expensive. But I used a really low, low number of 10 cents a kilowatt hour. So the solar consumers, businesses and homeowners with solar, they saved $1.7 billion. So the, the reason why we're putting solar on rooftops, on residential and commercial rooftops behind the meter, not, not utility-scale solar, but the reason why there's so much interest in that is because it just saves a lot of money. These homeowners and businesses saved $1.7 billion last year by not having to buy that electricity from the utility. And keep in mind, I use a, a very, very low number of $0.10 cents a kilowatt hour. On the other hand, it's great that the utilities generated all that energy, but their choice was $0.05 cents a kilowatt hour with solar. Maybe it would, would have been $0.05 cents or $0.06 cents a kilowatt hour on, you know, based on natural gas. They didn't really save that much. And, and that's why the utility rates haven't gone down as utilities put in solar. And that's also why homeowners and businesses are just coming out in droves to put solar on the roof because they save money. The consumers are saving money. And, and so, so that's a little bit of a dichotomy that we hold, have in the whole industry. Yes, it's cheaper to put solar panels in the desert for the utility, but it's not cheaper for the customers, the businesses and the homeowners that want to save money. It actually doesn't save them a penny. I mean, it's just like negligible. All right. So now let's take a look at some other data about the workers in the solar industry. And we looked at the breakdown. There are 55% of the people are on the residential side. But, you know, what are the characteristics of these people? And I just want to kind of compare that to what the national workforce averages. So um, looking at the, the solar industry, 67% of the people are male, 33% are female. And, and looking at the U.S. workforce on, on the whole, it's 53% male, 47% female. So the solar industry is not doing a terrific job at hiring the same balance of workers. But the primary reason for that, right or wrong, but the primary reason for that is it's mostly a construction industry. And just, you know, 
males are just doing more of that work than females. You know, in the past, I've always had some really, really great women installers, but they tend more to be on the sales and and the marketing and administrative side. Looking at at some more of these breakdowns, 22% of the people are Hispanic or Latino compared to 16% in the national workforce. Uh, Let's see, some other information. Uh, 10% are Asian compared to 6% in the national workforce. And, you know, maybe some of this is also due to where the solar industry is is biggest, which is mostly in the southwest states, and there's just a a greater population of of, uh, Hispanics and Asians. Here's an interesting number. 11% are veterans compared to 7% of the national workforce. And that's a really good statistic. And I know that the solar industry has made a big effort to reach out to veterans and, you know, make sure that they've got really great jobs. Another interesting statistic, 13% are 55 and older compared to 22% in the national workforce. Once again, probably a a reflection of the construction nature of the solar industry. All right, let's take a look at some of the other fuels in addition to solar. So wind employment trends are about the same as solar, but there's fewer jobs. Coal jobs are down 24% last year alone. You know, that that's mirrored by 25% increase in, in solar. So losing coal jobs, increasing solar jobs. And, and we're going to talk about that hint for coal jobs in the future. The oil and gas extraction industry grew by 6%. So oil and gas grew, coal shrank. Natural gas workers accounted for 47% of all fossil fuel electric generation. Other technologies combined heat and power, 18,000 workers. Hydroelectric, 65,000. Nuclear, we talked about that, 68,000. And then bioenergy is about 113,000. Now, there's an uneven trajectory where some states are getting a lot of these new jobs and other states are seeing a decline in jobs. So states like California and Texas, which have a lot of solar and wind and fossil fuel resources, are seeing a lot of gains in the energy industries, it's even though there's some, even though the prices keep coming down. And then coal-dependent states, and the two biggest coal states are, are Wyoming and West Virginia, they've seen declines in employment on a statewide basis because their major industries are, are in decline. Now, how do we continue to expand employment in the energy sector? What should we do? What's good policy? Well, my view is we should follow the economic signals. And that's something that nobody argues with. Let's just do what's economic. So everybody wants cheap fuels. That That's great. It's also good to follow things that are good for the climate. Clean fuels are good. But we've got a lot of people who are climate deniers. And they're going to fight that tooth and claw. So, I, you know, I believe it's really important to promote fuels that are you know, clean fuels. But some people disagree. Everybody agrees that we want to get less expensive fuels. And that's where solar fits in. It's going to continue to get cheaper and cheaper, both for utilities and for residential and commercial installations. Wind is inexpensive. Natural gas, it's hard to say, but I, I don't see it spiking very quickly. So it's going to be relatively inexpensive. And I think oil's going to be relatively inexpensive. But both fossil fuels, natural gas and oil, they're polluting in terms of greenhouse gases. Bad thing. Now, how do we help coal workers find jobs? Well, obviously jobs in coal mining is shrinking. It's fundamentally flawed thinking that coal mining jobs are going to come back. I mean, that's just not going to happen. It's not a war on coal. It's just an economic change. And there's two problems. Mechanization. We're we're using machines to mine the coal, not people with picks and shovels. And then also customers all over the world have switched to cleaner fuels. They just switched. Even China 
switched. Now, the biggest coal mining states are Wyoming, West Virginia, and Kentucky. They should be supporting the jobs of the future. Solar penetration in those states is minimal. One solution would be to incentivize solar installations in those states. Don't try and put coal workers back to work because machines are going to do it and customers don't want to buy it and utilities aren't going to change their mind and put in new new coal plants because four years from now or eight years from now, the new administration may want to get rid of those again. So there's some retraining involved in getting these coal workers to install solar, but we can immediately put these people back to work. Now, the alternative, if you pardon the expression of a stupid approach, would be to double down on coal jobs. And believe it or not, in fact, in January, the Wyoming legislature proposed legislation that will forbid utilities from providing any electricity to the state that comes from large-scale wind or solar energy projects. So they're making solar illegal. That's my definition of flawed thinking. They need new politicians in Wyoming. So my recommendations, it's a no-brainer to focus on energy jobs that generate the cheapest power. For now, that's solar and natural gas and wind. Solar costs are going to keep going down, and it's going to be more and more practical for transportation, too. All right, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com.